Hello and welcome, my name is Leah Barber and you're listening to Next Gen Femme, a podcast dedicated to celebrating women's achievements, be it in business, sports, STEM or the arts. We speak to women that persevered through ups and downs to pursue their passions. And you look around at people doing Irish language courses around you, the envy is real from people in college that don't speak Irish. And I think all we're missing is somewhere that speaking Irish is cool and that it's not, hey, is that the Mokani look that you're using there, Joe, that you're not being bet down about grammar or your syntax or that kind of thing, that you just get into the spirit of it. And sure, who cares if you're a couple of tenses out? Once you can get the gist of it, that's what we're missing, I think. In episode 16, we chatted with radio personality Kate O'Malley. You may recognise Kate's voice as she MCs for Flirt FM, iRadio and Spin Southwest. So you've bound to have heard her at some point. She's also the recipient of the Bronze Newcomer Award from the Imro Radio Awards, and she's a entrepreneur. Kate shares with us her roller coaster of a journey with her first stepping stone navigating a degree in law from the University of Limerick to presently emceeing on three radio stations. Between all that, though, she completed a master's in Irish studies as well as a number of other courses and diplomas, some of which included digital marketing, creative writing, radio program production, start your own business, and much, much more. She really loves to learn. Not to mention her first nomination and her bronze award win at the Imro Radio Awards for Best Newcomer. This week's episode is super fun and will be sure to have you laughing. We're excited for you to hear our 16th episode. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to Next Gen Femme or Next Generation Female, however you'd like to put it. We're here with another episode this week, episode 16 I believe, and I am joined by my usual partner in crime, Dr. Fiona Malone. You don't need to keep saying that. I Henry, will I never stop. <laughs> Say hello to our listeners, Zerfi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> We're joined this week by Kate O'Malley, who has won a Bronze Newcomer Award from the Imro Radio Awards. She's an MC for Flirt FM, iRadio and Spin Southwest, and she's a entrepreneur. Welcome, Kate. Thank you very much. And <laughs> thank you so much for coming on to our very humble podcast, Next Gen Femme. Not at all, gals. This is bucket list stuff because I have always wanted to meet the criteria of a podcast, but I don't have inside track on a murder. I didn't witness <laughs> any like significant crime. So I just kept True. falling through the cracks and now I'm delighted finally ticking it off. Yeah, we, we won't we be covering my favorite murder was seconds, but we were your first choice. Yeah, <laughs> of course, of course. We're going to tag mean, them in that just so they know what they're missing. Yeah. Okay. Karen and Georgina would be very, very, not Georgina, Georgia. Is it Georgina or Georgia? I never know. Would be very disappointed, but I'm sure excited for us to have you on our podcast instead because we're obviously much better than they are. But thank you. So, no one dies. Nobody dies. Yeah. <laughs> Bonus. Great, great side. Bonus. Always a win. <laughs> okay, so to start off the podcast, we like to get our guests to introduce themselves. So, Kate, if you wouldn't mind telling us your name, your age, if you don't mind, your occupation, and an interesting random fact, either about yourself or just one that you know in general. Okay, so my name is Kate O'Malley. I'm 29 years of age. I am a radio presenter. And an interesting fact about me is that I've never eaten a burrito. I know. What? <laughs> I've just I've had burrito bowls, but I've never had an honest to Jesus burrito. Why? I mean, I I I just like to have it as a random fact about myself for when people ask. <laughs> yeah. I specifically don't eat burritos for that, so it could be an interesting fact. <laughs> exactly. It's it's a, when you're doing you know those awkward things like tell me two truths and a lie. This yeah. is a handy one because everyone's like, there's no way this could be true. And like fundamentally, I enjoy all the elements of a burrito, so mm-hmm. I don't know what my problem is. I should probably just get over it, but it's quite a, a 
good one to have. I'm shocked. I mean, that's actually shocking. Yeah. (laughs) I think after this, you should go get a burrito. I know. I, are places are burrito places open? Are they phase two, phase one? It's part of your bucket list. No. Yes. Chicken like, fam, eat a burrito. Like you could get all of that done in one day. Take it off. That's a lot. Take it off. Take I it off. Smash them goals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Kate, thank you for that fun fact and introducing yourself. This is a very free flowing podcast, and we like for our listeners to learn about our guests and their journeys. So. As you we've mentioned and have you as you've mentioned, you're a radio presenter. So we'd love for you to kind of take us on the journey of how you got to this current point in your life. You also say you're a entrepreneur or an entrepreneur. So what does that kind of cover? Pretty much just take us from the beginning. And you kind of mentioned before we started recording that you've kind of maybe done a different few different things. So we'd love to know what changes you've gone through to get to where you are now. Well, pull up a pew because we're ready. This is this is a story and a half. And um, I think somewhere in the, in the background, the Beatles' long and winding road is playing <laughs> gently on a piano, just to set the scene. And um, I d- I did so. I suppose I quite like doing lots of things at the same time. Like I find it great to have different things going on in your life, so that you can divert your interest in different directions. I've always had that problem. I think the most stressful thing to ever happen to me was having to choose subjects in secondary school. Mm -hmm. And that's where this all began. Because, (laughs) you know, the way some people are like, oh, I just want to be a doctor, for example, (laughs) or I want to be a scientist, or Mm -hmm. I want to be a teacher or whatever. I never really had a moment of clarity of being like, this is absolutely what I want to be. Like, I remember I used Neither to visit my granddad when I was small and he'd ask me like, oh, well, what are we going to be this week? And I'd be like, oh, the president of Ireland. <laughs> that was had that for quite a while. But now I'm like, no, no way. But I, it was a different thing every week. And I never kind of knew for sure and certain like what I wanted to be when I grow up. I still don't. But one thing that was always kind of consistent was that I was stone cracked about radio. Like we'd always have the radio on at home. And even in my grand, I'm in my granddad's house now, uh, hence the, in my granddad. But we used to always listen to Sunday Miscellany on Sunday morning on RT1. We had the radio on in the car. We used to listen to the radio going into school and all that kind of thing. So it always was like a noise in the background. And then I did transition year and we had to do a workplace. And so I was in Radio Kerry for a week, getting in everyone's way and basically just making tea. But I was like, Jesus, this is absolutely class, lads. Do you think they'd ever let me in? And then I kind of went away from that because we had a career guidance teacher who was very focused on like, you should be a nurse, you should do medicine in Cork or you, you know, you like we've all met them, we all know them. And he just had one kind of idea about what people should do. And there wasn't really it wasn't really encouraged to be like, okay, I want to do something that's a little bit off the beaten path. So that kind of went away for a while. And I did my leave insert and went to UL, as did you, Fiona, I believe. Yeah, I'm I mean, yeah. yeah. That's how we Limerick know each well. other. Yeah. That's how we know whoop, each whoop. other. <laughs> Little UL loving. <laughs> yeah, so I, I decided to do law in UL because, I, I don't know, I honestly don't know why. I thought I was going to be like Ali McBeal meets CSI <laughs> Miami and putting the bad guys away and all that kind of thing. I didn't realize that it's an awful lot of, you know, 
title deeds to property and selling in one field from one farmer to another and that and there's nothing wrong with that kind of stuff but i thought i was going to be in the high court marching up the steps and like this is an injustice so <laughs> i i kind of i don't know it was now don't get me wrong it was interesting and everyone said at the time they were like sure it's no harm to have a law degree what's That's that what even mean? like <laughs> i don't know i i feel like it's just one of those things that people tilt their head and they're like oh but sure you know it's no harm to have it and i'm like yeah but it's no real advantage to me either is it let's <laughs> be honest and what but, years were you in uf so i was there 2008 2012 oh we were there okay so you were the you yeah you graduated the year before us okay yeah you were a year ahead really? yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing how is it our paths never intersected you didn't we didn't go anywhere near law stop <laughs> do you know what I did nothing in college. That's one thing I look back on that I'm like, why didn't you get off your arse and get involved in something? Like I did the law society when I was in fourth year and organized. I always wanted to know. Oh, here we organized debates and moot competitions where everyone went in and did a mock trial. We organized the law ball. We organized guest speakers and stuff like that. And that was loads of crack. But I did that in fourth year. Like, what was I doing? Um, should should have been studying for the final exams. But anyway, never one to, to do things in the right order. But yeah, that's one thing I look back on first year. And I'm like, Jesus, I wish someone had called me aside and was like, join a few societies. They're a bit of crack. But I don't know. They just kind of bypassed me. Like, I did I did join the Skydive Society purely just to be like, oh, well, I'm in the Skydive Society. That's a bit cool and alt. And we did do a skydive, actually, in first year. But then after that, I kind of didn't really... Getting involved in <laughs> Anna's episode two, and it's so funny because we all met up there, oh, probably about a year ago now. And I, we had told our partners that we did a skydive, and they're like, Cool, a tandem. And I went, No, no, we uh, we jumped on our own, and they were like, Sorry, what? But yeah, I did training for a weekend where I jumped off a box for a few hours, <laughs> and like, Doran and Alan were like, What? And me and Anna only realized at that point six or seven years later, that that was really not safe. <laughs> Onkers. Johan, I'm so glad that you've confirmed that now and it's on recording. And Leah, please like make double sure that you save this everywhere because I, usually when I'm telling the skydive story, right, it's five o'clock in the morning, you're standing in a kitchen at some house party with people that you don't know. And I'm like, oh, I did a skydive and it's all hilarious. And they're like, oh, a tandem, as you say. And I'm like, no, 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 we jumped ourselves after jumping off a box for half an hour during the day. And they're like, here, you're one. Like, that's crazy. I assumed it was tandem as well. And you just counted. Yeah. And just to simulate you falling through the air. Yes. Yeah. It just it defies logic. I don't know how it has insurance. I assume so they're out of business. You had to. Like, you had to be honest. responsible for pulling the cord and everything. You're attached to the plane. Oh, okay. It's one of those. Well, ones. If that doesn't work, you have to pull it. So oh. yeah. <laughs> when I think about it now, I'm like. What the hell? And what what made it worse, right? As is frequently the case in any of my college stories, we went out the night before. Oh, classic! Oh, yeah, we said yeah. We were like, "Oh, Dutch courage, Grant." So when we got there, we were like, "Man, this is such a buzzkill. We should learn all this safety stuff." But it was only when I was sitting with, and I was wearing those little pennies, like fake Converse, and I didn't have them laced because I was so class. And as I stuck my legs out of the plane, and the runners started clapping, I was like holy baby jesus what did they say again when we got here about how many seconds and there is, i have to look at this thing and it has to say a certain amount of i don't kilometers from the yeah, ground and I was like, oh. <laughs> so yeah yeah i don't lad 
looking back on it now, I'm like, Mother Mary, would you be well? Did did oh, you? It's so funny because when me and Anna were saying, we we're like, yeah, cool, that's what everyone does. And the lads were like, yeah. not what everyone does? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As we started to replay it in our mind, we we're like, that's not a made up memory. We <laughs> jumped out of the plane at three and a half kilometers of the ground on our own with a weekend of training where we jumped off a box. Yes. Like, <laughs> pros, <laughs> pros. So what I want to know in that story is, did your cheap pennies converse survive <laughs> or did they fly off? <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. They did, right? So I I reckon I got a, a little bit of a heel into the lower back to get me out the door of the plane. Because I was like... A big Sparta <gasps> kick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, Grant, did my little X shape. And I was like, I'm flying, Jack. Unbelievable. And then I got the, the kind of yank that, because I forgot completely about pulling anything. I was like, I'm flying through the air. The, the kind of, I don't know, the ripcord or whatever the terminology is, pulled and the parachute popped out and whatever. And I was like, hallelujah. And then a little voice came into my ear and was like, you're doing great, sweetie. I was like, oh, thank you for this reassurance talking back to it, even though it was just like Walkman headphones, essentially. Yeah, essentially. That was fine. Checked shoes were still intact. But then I was like coming around and I was like, there's an awful lot of telegraph poles that I didn't pay a whole pile of attention to <laughs> on the way up. But now I'm coming at them. And someone was like, do you know the way you do when you're parking? They were like, lock hard. I was like, I don't know what that terminology <laughs> is. So I was like, just pulling with all like pulling down on one side of the parachute, hoping I'd turn around and then I go swing at her. Oh, ugh. I forgot about you. I forgot about the landing part of the parachute. I landed on my arm. Did I? <laughs> I came down at some fucking speed, but at least I landed. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I think I landed, made contact with the ground, everything was smooth, and then I like everything I hit me at once, and I said my knees just buckled. So I ended up under the parachute, but I was like, I'm alive. That's <laughs> how you feel. Yeah, yeah. So it was. Do you know what though? It's it's one of those things that I don't even think I told my parents I was doing it either because they'd be <laughs> ah, or like so worried. But looking back at it now, I'm like, I wouldn't do it again if you paid me. But I'm glad that I have a done to be like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I skydive. No big totally. deal. That's, I'm so glad we've had this conversation for a while there. I really thought I'd made it up because it was so bizarre. But no, we did. We skydived on our own out of a plane with just box training. Yeah. <laughs> we did that. So a lot to be said for jumping off a box for 45 minutes, counted to five. I mean, and then just <laughs> dropping you out of a plane at 3,000 feet in the air. So. With a Sparta kick kicking you out. <laughs> but mine opened up and it was like, do you know when you're in a swing where the all the chains yeah. or whatever are all twisted? So I looked up and went, fuck, what did they tell me to do? <laughs> yeah, nothing, like nothing. <laughs> and as much as they tried to drill it into our heads and like... I have a great memory, right? I can remember essays that I wrote in fifth class in school, wow. right? I can remember stuff like that. Mm. But when I hopped out of that plane, I was like, wow, I have nothing. Absolutely yeah. nothing. Except the little voice being like, good job. Yeah, little, my, I think it went kick, kick, kick. And I was like, this didn't happen when I jumped off the box. <laughs> in the very realistic simulation of jumping off a two foot box, this wasn't what happened. It wasn't the exact same. But look, we're here. We're alive. No one died, which seems to be the theme yeah. of the podcast. Of the podcast. So, <laughs> How did this happen? Moral of the story. Join the skydiving society. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like we've given them an awful knock, but actually it was great crack. It really was. It was. It was really good fun. Um, I think there there's a lot to be said about clubs and socks in college. Like it's 
definitely a thing we would highly recommend people do when they're starting college mm-hmm. because it's just I well maybe it's just from maybe my experience like it's where I found my friends like my group friends that I hang out with and talk to on the regular basis now rather than anyone I would have done in friend people I would have made friends with in my course itself so I think clubs and socks the moral of the story is join some sort of clubs and socks whether it's skydiving or rugby like myself and Fee did or if it's the law society I think it's good good thing to do yeah I think that was like a last ditch effort to rescue my CV when I was in fourth year and because I didn't do co-op I did Erasmus so mm-hmm. looking for jobs I was like Jesus woman you don't have much to show for yourself here other than four years in the stables club and that really isn't going to cut it so I was like okay law society we're going to go with this one and that was do you know what that was a lot of fun as well but like you made a great point there because say a lot of my college friends were friends from going out, friends from house parties and not knocking them at all. They're some of the most amazing, interesting class people I've ever met. But I didn't have a lot of friends in my course. So when it came to sharing notes and stuff like that, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that kind of backfired a little bit. But as well, just having friends that have other interests. And I think college is the time to do that mm. because you're never well not never, but you're rarely going to be in a situation again where you're meeting that many new people from all different parts of the country. Like you've come from school with people who are from, say, your town or your surrounding area. You're flung into college with people from, like, I remember there was a lad in my class from Donegal, Paddy. I don't think I'd ever met someone from Donegal. That sounds so like little bumpkin, but <laughs> I don't think I had, like, because I'm from Kerry and I would never have knocked across them. But he was great crack and such an addition. But the more kind of, I don't know, different places that you can socialize with people like that, the better. So I feel like definitely I missed a trick. And like all the colleges from like UL across the board, they have so many societies. Like there's every kind of thing. Anything and everything you can think of. Exactly. So there's there's no excuse. But then as well, like when I was in first year, I just wouldn't be told anything. I was going to do what I was going to do. And I was out to have the crack. And that was pretty much it. Because everyone, I'm sure did say like, oh, would you join? I don't know, the tea drinking society or whatever. And I was like, oh, no. So <laughs> no. have to put my hand up and be like, do you know what? I was a bit of an ass hat back then. So fair enough. <laughs> so you completed your law degree, I assume. You did say yes. you made yeah. fourth year. So what after graduation and, and getting your law degree, what happened next, I suppose? Yeah, so I finished my law degree and I so my brother passed away the summer of my third year so I went back into fourth year and that was a whole other thing like okay. I just I thought I was there but I wasn't really there there so I ended up deferring or I grading some of my exams so I didn't graduate until the January so then coming out of Jan- like January is a tough time to graduate because there's nothing Joe you know, it's a difficult time to be job hunting because mm. you've had the whole madness leading up to Christmas and then you're kind of Joe you know, January is always a lull for everything like everyone's staying in trying to save the money or whatever so it just wasn't really a good time to come out of college saying that though I was working in a company down in Limerick and that was all going grand was what didn't didn't really I didn't know what I was doing you know I just took a job out of college that I was like sure grand this will pay the bills we can still live in Limerick have a bit of crack and a couple of friends of mine would have been the year behind me so I still had a gang in Limerick Mm -hmm. so it was fine I didn't really have to make any major decisions because I kind of fell into that job do you know the way as you do and then it was coming towards the summer after I'd finished. So that would have been 2013, I think. And I decided I wanted to go do a master's, which I initially wanted to do journalism master's in NUIG, but that's a brilliant master's. And it was full up by the time that I kind of got around to applying and whatever. And 
then I was kind of looking at different things and like I'd be hugely interested in the Irish language, Irish culture, all that kind of stuff. Just I love it, which is so ironic because when I was choosing my college course, I wasn't listening to anyone giving me any advice. Dad was like, <laughs> would you not think about doing something? Joe, you're very good at Irish. Like maybe that's something you could. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to save the world. I get to be a lawyer. Uh-huh, I'll show you. But uh, sure, as always happens, like mom and dad were 100% correct. I just was too stubborn to listen to any reason. <laughs> so I decided to do a master's in NUIG and I did it. I moved up to Galway and initially when we were doing CAO sorry I'm jumping all over the place but initially when we were doing CAO I was like oh man I'd love to go to Galway and had Galway down as top choice and then just switched last minute to Limerick because Galway is quite far from Kerry and it just would have been hassle getting up and down and all that kind of stuff so decided to do my master's in Galway and then did it and came out the other end still none the wiser about what I actually wanted to do what was it um what was its title so I did a master's in Irish studies, which is kind of, it's a funny one. So it's, it's, it's billed as being like this interdisciplinary master's. It's a, it's a mishmash of different things. Like there's Irish language and translation. Then there's like literature and culture, there's history and there's like Irish literature in English, written in English. So there was a good kind of mash of different things. I think like looking back on it now, I, it was really interesting and it was super interesting I suppose is the word I would use but in terms of getting a job after college probably wasn't the smartest use of a year of my time and that wasn't anyone's fault I think like and this goes back to having a really narrow range of interests or being like me and picking things from different like avenues and not not narrowing down your focus so much and I think that's something I've done always because even when I was doing law I did French and economics as well just so I'd have kind of other things to be dipping in and out of so then Irish studies I was like fantastic you mean I can do history literature and Irish language this is amazing and I think kind of the crunch came when it came to thesis time because I had a feckin brilliant idea but they just weren't buying into it what I wanted to research funnily enough and we'll pull all the strands of the conversation so far together in one little sentence (laughs) I wanted to research Irish language radio broadcasting and how it had changed from the really formal like radio and getting the dialect and the Ulster Irish and being really formal and correct into like Radio Nalifa and say mainstream stations, mainstream, having kind of hit 30 Naharan, top 40 if you Naharan and that kind of thing and how they'd moved away from it being like the purest Irish radio where they'd be playing trad and shanos and music genres that possibly mainstream Irish speakers wouldn't be interested in into kind of bringing it to the masses if you want. So that anyway got knocked on the head, unfortunately. Why? Yeah, that sounds um, brilliant. Yeah, do you know what? And like, I was listening to one of your previous podcasts when you were talking to Ashton Carney that founded the painting, Paint Club, Club, yes. And I just was so blown away by how much confidence she had when she was in art college in Limerick to stand up to lecturers. Yeah. No, I'd rather, I I wouldn't have had the belief in myself and what I wanted to do, even though I spoke to another lecturer that wasn't like affiliated with the course or whatever. And he was like, this is a brilliant idea. Like you should really go for it. And I knew I had something good, but I just didn't push hard enough. And that's something that I just was like, Jesus, I really should have dug in the heels. But I suppose I didn't know well enough how I like I needed help to figure out how I was going to research this. And instead of coming in with this is my plan, this is what I'm going to do. And this is the timeline. I kind of came in and I was like, here's the idea. I just need help refining it. 
And I suppose that's probably a very daunting thing to be asked to supervise because you're like, oh, Jesus, there's no research methodology. I don't know how this is going to fare out. But I think I I possibly was under the impression that we would be allowed to do not a traditional thesis and that kind of didn't materialize. But went back to the drawing board and then decided, because my big thing, right, is that speaking Irish is such an amazing thing. It's something I'm so passionate about. My own Irish now has gone pure rusty, but I used to be, have absolutely beautiful Irish. And that's something I'm really passionate in. I think people have such a grow for it. And maybe if you asked a leave insert, they'd be like, ah, Jesus, the, you know, the schlucks and all this kind of stuff, they'd be so over it. But I think when you get a bit of distance on it and say when you're in college, and you look around at people doing Irish language courses around you, the envy is real from people in college that don't speak Irish. And I think all we're missing is somewhere that speaking Irish is cool and that it's not, hey, is that the Mokanila that you're using there, Joe, that you're not being bet down about grammar or your syntax or that kind of thing, that you just get into the spirit of it. And sure, who cares if you're a couple of tenses out? Once you can get the gist of it, that's what we're missing, I think. No, I totally agree. I love I actually really loved Irish in school. I was quite good at it. And then I always kind of was like, oh, I'm not going to use this again anymore. Do you know? Yeah. And I do find that maybe it's the way it's taught or I'm not I'm not sure. I, I've never really thought too much about it. But when you're, do you know when you're going on holidays, like let's say we were going to Italy or Spain. You, when we went to Japan for the World Cup, we all had a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Japanese totally didn't care how we were saying it. They were just so excited that we'd say, kampai in, in a in a in a bar and they'd all say cheers and they'd say it's launch it back and I just feel Irish kind of misses out on that because of like mm-hmm. you said this kind of attitude towards this it needs to be perfect it needs to be in the correct dialect or the correct you know tense or whatever and I just find that um I don't ever I've never seen and maybe you'll, you'll you'll say otherwise but do you know when tourists come here they they never attempt Irish yeah Not oh Irish. absolutely no 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 should they would like and and I get it, lads. It looks very intimidating because there's more consonants than they have any business being in words. Do you know what I mean? It looks, yeah. you, you couldn't make a stab at it. Whereas if it's something in French, you kind of go, ah, yeah, okay. And you'll have a bash. But I think, I and I get it. Do you know, I, I really do. But I think like we are missing out. There's no doubt about it. And I think, I don't know what the problem is. Maybe it's how it's taught. Maybe it's how we learn it. And I don't know, do people use, say, if they do French or German or if they do anything the whole way through school, like, do they use that any more than the percentage that use Irish? I would be curious to know no, that. I, mean, you know, do you know? German, I yeah. liked German as much as I liked Irish. I, I liked the logic of German because I'm quite kind of maths orientated, but I liked the the beauty in Irish because I kind of like reading anyway and things like that. But I've used neither to probably the same extent. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a shame, like, and that was kind of, that was my, my, so got knocked back on the whole radio research idea, which was a shame. My next, my next twirl of the merry-go-round was to talk about spaces where young people like college age can access speaking Irish in an informal setting, because I don't think there are very many of them. Now, at the same time as I was doing my master's, I actually was doing my diploma in Irish as well at night. Love learning, big, big nerd. Oh my God, where was your break? Where was your? <laughs> I'm gonna do a master's during the day. Well, the better I know it sounds like the thing. Of, it sounds like the plot of a J Lo movie. Like, <laughs> girl does good pretty, at the end. Pretty sure but it probably is just some sort of J Lo movie in there somewhere. We just <laughs> happened that. <laughs> yeah, so I I kind of was doing that at the same time, and I was like, do you know what, lads? We we're just missing a trick. Like, and in fairness, there was Orson Gale 
in NUIG was fantastic. You could go in there and speak your kukukukul and that kind of thing and got involved. I think I was trying to cram, right, four years of regret of undergraduate regret into one <laughs> year of master's. Because I was like, I'm doing clubs and societies. I'm doing night stuff. I'm doing a master's. I'm doing really well in my essays. Like, this is class. So I had a great year, in fairness. Like, I can't knock it. But my my kind of next thesis idea was to talk about Pobl Nguelga up in Electric Picnic because I've been to Electric Picnic the previous September, like just before I started my master's and completely, lads, obsessed with it. Just thought this is the most amazing collection of human beings on the planet. This is amazing. Electric Picnic is the absolute biz. Mad festival head anyway, but that was had been my first picnic and it just was a different state of mind. And at one stage, we were knocking around minefield, and actually, we couldn't find our way out because we'd never been there before. And the place is colossal, it's but huge. we it's huge. Yeah, it's it's its own. Yeah. like I don't have words unless you've been there. I don't think you can grasp how big the place is. But and every year that I go back, I forget, and I have to re-remember. Like Jesus, this is a trek to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. But we were stumbling around minefield, and I was. I could hear people speaking Irish and obviously we were hammered and the lads were like, here, Mally, shut it. Like, there's no one speaking Irish. And I was like a truffle pig. I was like, I can hear people speaking Irish. I'm going to find them. So I found this gorgeous tent with all these mad people with red hair and sheets of skin jackets like Coo Cullen, the second coming of Coo Cullen. And I was like, Jesus, this is class altogether. So then I was thinking like, how many other spaces like that have gone under my radar that I'm just not aware of? that there is this vibrant community of Irish people and Irish speakers that we are just don't know anything about. So then I was like, hey, okay, new thesis idea. Can we do research on this? And they were like, what? Like, <laughs> you want to do research on a stage at a festival? No. So that was that. So anyway, in the heel of the hunt, I ended up doing a research project on the industrial schools. Oh. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. very different end yeah. of the scale. I know, lads. I know. And Joe had... It's terrible. And the whole thing was just absolutely, I can't even talk about it. It was so awful. Not the thesis, everything that happened, but I used to have a bookshelf in my house down the docks in Galway. It was like the shelf of misery because it was all the books of survivors. And there was like, you know, all those those terrible, terrible things that mm. happened. Like, I know. So I spent a summer reading these, watching the movies, like the Magdalene laundries and all this oh, kind of carry that on. that movie. It is very far from a lecture picnic now. <laughs> I, I know. I know. And like, I just have to like my thesis supervisors are absolutely phenomenal. And I I threw the kitchen sink at it, did so, so well in it. It was really well researched, but it wasn't what I it wasn't what I'd set my heart on. Do you know that kind of way? And it mm. just again to like mention Ashlyn, like hearing her sticking up for her doing her oil paintings in LIT art school, I'm like, Jeez, what a woman. Mm. When you think you know, about it, when you're that age as well, it's very hard to go against the people that you're uh-huh. now told they are the messiah of yeah. what you are studying and you listen to them like when yeah, you yeah, yeah. put it like that it is mm. quite intimidating and it would be very hard to do that yeah definitely and i think like joe it'd be very easy to look back at that and be like oh well they ruined everything like they didn't it just it just didn't line up correctly and who's to say i'd have done any better out of my masters if i had done any of those things do you know what i mean so it's just it's just something that i look back on that i'm like geez i wish i actually had had the backbone to be like do you know what no I'm I'm gonna plow on and try and do this but it's funny like I'd say if you did a straw poll of friends of mine they'd be like oh Jesus Kate's really outspoken like she she'll tell you what she thinks and she'll do what she wants to do but I just think at that kind of juncture in my life I just didn't have the stomach to be like actually no guys I'm gonna feckin take this thing on but it's not a regret it's just something that 
could have worked out differently but didn't do you know what I mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so finished university for now dot, dot, dot. <laughs> mom and dad well, you, finished your, like, you haven't <laughs> your master's and your diploma yeah so I, I finished the diploma a year later because it's a two-year thing at night okay. that was gorgeous and you know what right talk about regrets I don't know why this happened but anyway the invitation for my master's or for my diploma graduation came in the door and I was like ah I just I don't know why I didn't go which is so unlike me to not want to get dressed up and take pictures of myself I was just about to say <laughs> yeah, you, you, missed, you missed an Instagram post there I know <laughs> I know for feck's sake like I the captions still haunt me but I just did I just for whatever reason I just didn't go and uh, got posted out the search that's one thing I do regret about college like I should have gone but it just I don't know it clashed with something or I was at home in Kerry or it just I, I could have made it if I really really wanted to but it just wasn't suited and so it, it was clashing with something else or whatever so I just couldn't really do it but I don't know that's one thing I do look back and I'm like girl what was going on there a little brain fart but look it is what it is and um, but yeah so when I finished I when I finished college I still wasn't really qualified to do anything because when you finish law you still have to do like a year of king's ins or whatever if you want to be a barrister and if you want to be a solicitor you have to do all these other things and I did so I wasn't really I had a law degree but it didn't mean I could be a lawyer if you get me yeah so now I had an Irish studies master but it didn't mean I was a master or an Irish student so I kind of <laughs> was like Jesus what am I after doing part two the sequel so, and I'd say at that stage mom and dad were like mother Mary would she ever settle down like so I remember I was working in was working in Caesars Palace out in Salt Hill and I was working in 37 West in town I was working between the two places so I was I always had uniforms in the back of the car so I go from one to the other to the other JLo somewhere will listen to this and be like this is the movie and um, <laughs> But yeah, I was working between the two places and then I just got really sick one weekend and I thought I had the mumps because my neck was all swollen and everything. So I just went home to Kerry for a week, I'd say, because I was absolutely dying sick. I don't know what it was. It was just some virus and not the COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or anything like that. Can't, can't even say virus at the moment. People I know. <laughs> but I got really sick. So I went home and mom was like, do you know what? It's all this running and racing. Like you really need to just... You'd run yourself into the ground. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, it was just complete burnout. Like So I started applying for jobs then and stumbled across this job that as I was reading the job description I was like well I can do that and well I have that and that kind of sounds interesting and it was for a study abroad coordinator on campus with this American company so long story short got that job and worked with them for I'd say probably about five years yeah four or five years and then that that chapter finished up and And where where was that situated then so that was in Galway. Okay. And so I was working on campus for an American company. We were like the Irish office kind of thing. Okay. So that was good. That was good crack. Over the course of five years, I'd say I was at the Cliffs of Moher like upwards of 50 times. Hate <laughs> the Cliffs. Oh, stop, lads. They're just a bit of rock relax. So not a big fan of the Cliffs. Kyle Moore Abbey, I would live and die by. I absolutely love it up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just so relaxing. Like, But got to do loads of fun stuff. Met loads of really cool Americans. Uh, had loads of mad students. Like I could keep you... There's a separate podcast of stuff my students <laughs> did because they just were bonkers half the time. What were you in charge of? Like, were you in charge of where they lived? Had college studies? Oh, like what? Girl, everything, everything. Really? Yeah, so we'd sort out their housing, we'd sort out their college registration, we'd to bring them on excursions, we'd to mind them if they got sick in the middle of the night and all this. Oh you, you just were kind of like their Sherpa while they were here, <laughs> which 
Like you were, to- you were talking earlier about your students and different things they were doing with accessing material online. Like, oh my God, there'd be a knock on the door of a Monday morning and you could have anything coming into you. Like, and I, I won't, I won't go down this rabbit hole because honestly, there's so much material <laughs> like, and this, this is my stand-up career is going to be gotten from those brats. Because <laughs> uh, when they were good and when you had a gorgeous group, they're fantastic. And I'm still in touch with so many of them now. Like they're my little pets. But then when you, when you had students that were not that nice, oh my God, they can make your life hell. Like we'd, we'd one crowd and one mother rang me to tell me that her daughter's roommate was a witch. I was like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I know, I was like, I don't know, how do you, what do you want me to do? Like, intervene somehow, put a cloves of garlic around your daughter's bed? I was like, I don't know what's going on. Do you know that kind of thing that that's the level that you're dealing with? Like, don't get me wrong, I've had amazing students, but it only takes one in a group like that. And you're like, I just, I don't know where to look while you're telling me this mad stuff. Do you know? So that was a fun job. And does that bring you then to where I met you that, uh, that course? Oh, yeah. So you and I dogged each other's footsteps for probably about a year and a half around yeah. Galway. I was trying to explain to Leah how we met. And I was like, ah, <laughs> which one was it? <laughs> which yeah. one was it? <laughs> I'm such a nerd for courses. Like, even in general, like, I love January to April, you will find me in a night course doing something. Like, I've done all kinds of things, like creative writing, uh, did a hippie drumming circle for a while that was amazing crap. I need to do that. Where is that? <laughs> Yeah, it used to be on, you know, is it is it a presentation that's on Newcastle Road? It's just down from the college. It's a little well, school there. Yes. Funny side story about that. I, w- I went to change my vote for the most recent election and I didn't think it was done in time. So I landed into the polling station in at home in Kerry, like, and they were like, oh, sorry, your vote's not here. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, grand, yeah. So I'll just drive to Galway. So I drove up to Galway anyway and hadn't got a polling card to the house. So I was like, right, sure, look, I'll chance it. My housemate was there. I said, here, where are you registered to vote? And she was like, oh, presentation on that road or whatever. So I was like, grand, sure, we're in the same house. We're surely in the same in the same polling station. Yeah, exactly. What a rookie move. <laughs> so I landed down there anyway to presentation, marched in the door. I was like, I'm going to cast my vote. And uh, they were like, no, sorry, absolutely no record of you. You're off your chops. There's no vote here for you, Kate O'Malley. Sorry. So I was like, oh, for God's sakes. Then they were like, you'll have to ring, I don't know, the city council or something. And this was now, I'd say, five past nine. And I was like, <laughs> if I've driven all the way up the country and I'm not going to get to vote, like, there'll be serious. What a waste. Uh... Yeah. So in the end, anyway, I was over in, uh, do you know where Katie's Cottage is over there in the Clada? There's a little yeah. school there that I'd never, I wasn't even aware of. So that's where my vote was, very randomly. Oh, so eventually, so random. I know, eventually got in the door and I was like, can I please just vote for anyone? Like, just let, just give me some ballot paper. So that was a bit of crack. But I digress. Yeah, so we used to have the uh, hippie drumming of a Thursday evening in presentation. It's fantastic. Can't remember your man's name. I think it was like John Paul or John or something. And He'd these massive, gorgeous African jump drums. So we'd all get one and we'd sit around and we'd be banging away for an hour and a half. And you just would come out so zen because you're concentrating so hard on not fecking up the entire class's <laughs> jam <laughs> that you just, I've never had singular focus in my life about anything except drumming and not making a holy show of myself by being always like out of time, whatever. So yeah, that was, couldn't recommend that highly enough. <laughs> I, I literally have completely lost where we were in the conversation now. So Fee was just at kind of saying where you guys met on some course. So what was that oh, course? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Courses. So I did the same time that you did the Start Your Own Business course. Yes. Oh, With okay. Ita. So yeah, th- 
we kind of were back and forth with ideas then. And then our, our circles re-intersected when we both did a stand-up comedy course. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Very random. I walked in the door and I was like, I'm going to know no one. This is going to be grand. I walked in the door, I'd say three or four people in there. I was like, mm, hello. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wasn't expecting for you to be here. Yeah, it was gas. It kind of made it all a little bit more daunting because I was like, okay, well, if I make a tit in myself in front of people, that don't know <laughs> yeah. me, that's cool. But I was like, damn, this girl was in this course. <laughs> this one time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was. And do you know what? I, I heard you chatting about it a while ago about your year of the yes right which is such a brilliant idea and I think I just really firmly believe that like the universe will send you things when you need them and when you're ready and when you're receptive to them and you'll you'll see things that previously you hadn't seen because it it was in the back of my mind I was like geez I think stand-up comedy would be like great crack I think it would just be amazing and then I just saw this little poster advertising the lads' course yeah. on the door of like, I don't know, Centra or something. And I was like, the universe hath spoken. So <laughs> that's how I ended up rocking along to that thing. And I messaged them actually, because it had started the week before. And I was like, hey, would you mind if I joined a little bit later? And they were like, no, come along. Because I was like, okay, this is like the coin toss where you're like, will I do it? Won't I do it? I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. if they tell me it's too late, then I tried. So I've done my part. But if they tell me go along, then yeah, try to go along to, to go yes yeah exactly but you know what it was great crack and yeah as you say so daunting I've never like I've uh, it's different talking on radio because you can't see people and yeah. you just imagine that they're laughing along and think oh god isn't that girl on the radio very funny and you think <laughs> you think that that's the conversation that's going yeah, on at exactly. the dinner table while people are hanging on your every word <laughs> but when you're doing comedy or any kind of performance like that and people are in front of you Oh, lads, uh, different gravy. So it's the kind of, woo, do you know when you're on a roller coaster and you're at the top and then the minute you've the mic in your hand and everybody has now stopped clapping or laughing for your intro to come on stage and then you're like, oh, and then it just kind of, that's when the roller coaster goes down. You're like, okay, well, I, I have to go with something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just... So, but uh, that was a really good course. I don't know if they ran one since, but I actually found it really good in terms of just public speaking and confidence and even getting ideas down on paper and just kind of organizing yourself like that. I thought it was really creative. You probably had it with the creative writing and things like that as well, but I had never done anything like that. I thought it was, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought it was very good actually yeah I thoroughly enjoyed it and I think as well like seeing everyone and the jokes that they were pulling together the material they were doing was so inspiring because there were so many different types like some of the lads had really dark and what what I would find like really inappropriate humor and I was like Jesus this isn't my cup of tea at all but then like you'd kind of more like funny stuff like hey this funny thing happened to me this one time I'm now going to extend it out to five minutes and hammer you over the head with it do that kind of way so there was there was such a range of humor that I think it was actually really good crack and like this sounds so corny but joke safe space because like we were all laughing with each other yeah and we all found what we were doing very funny and I think the two lads like facilitated it really well as well so yeah definitely up there one of the ones I really enjoyed doing and just a bit of crack like it was really fun like I found myself getting really excited about going do you know that kind of way and I probably hadn't felt like that since when I took up rugby because it was new and it was different Mm. and 
you know, everyone just, it was a very like rugby, actually. If you fecked up, no one cared and everyone laughed anyway, because that's funny. So that's <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it was gas. There was such a nervous energy from all of us before we had to get up on stage that it was kind of crackling around the place anyway. And, you know, it's like that inappropriate funeral laughing. Do you know when it's kind of tense? <laughs> yeah. You kind of, you, you kind of want to laugh to break the tension anyway. So even yeah. if I had gone up and deadpan read the phone book, <laughs> people would have been like, oh, haha, it's like a performance piece or, Joe, this will get funny. Like, let's laugh. Do you know that kind <laughs> yeah, of way? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I really loved how they didn't let us kind of sit on our laurels either because I think, was it the night that you joined? They was like, okay, up on the stage now we're going to practice talking in front of everyone. And we were all like, ah, no, I didn't do my homework. Ah, <laughs> they're like, we don't care. Just like you said, read the phone book, get up. Yeah. Everyone, that was a shared experience that we supported everyone. And that really kind of, I would say to a lot of people, it was one of the scariest things I ever did. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the scariest things I'm ever doing, but it's definitely shaped me and my confidence as a person. Like it would take a lot now to really catch me off guard now. Yeah, yeah. Which is brilliant. Like it's really good. I think probably more profound than the lads' initial course aims. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, they're like, it's January, let's run a comedy course, it's a bit of fun. And it was. Do you know, it was, it'll be fine, make a few more. So, Good. moral of that is everyone join a, a comedy course of some sort. <laughs> 100%. Think you think you'd like because you know best, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Do you know mm-hmm. that kind of way? Mm-hmm. You'll know. And what's the worst? If you don't like it, don't go. True. Exactly. Yeah. True. Yeah. That's, and that's the thing. Like, you don't, you're not signing anything in blood. Like, it's only a six week course or whatever. So, yeah. 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 It sounds, it sounds very interesting. And like, as you guys said, it was scary to get up in front of even that little group of people. But I suppose you were all in the same boat. Like, you were all mm-hmm. probably like nervous to get in front of each other. So, it was definitely, as you said, it is, a, it was a safe space for you guys to maybe mess up in that room but also taught you to kind of be good at talking in front of people whenever you left that room if that makes sense exactly so Kate you've you've gone through quite a number of hoops with your undergrad your your masters your diploma (laughs) your comedy course your drum circle course Uh, there's definitely skydiving there at one point as well at some point Uh, yeah you worked with that american company for the exchange students coming in so where are we now you're obviously currently on the radio and stuff like that and you've gotten an award so when did you get to actually start being on the radio so yeah the year was 1950 (laughs) no i'm joking i am do you know what when I and this was another example of like I'm doing bloody everything in this master's when I started the master's I spotted that there was a student radio station and I was like well holy god I always wanted to be on the radio surely these lads will give me the mic so in <laughs> fairness they did Paula like what a rock star she was like yeah come on in record your demo and like that the day I was meant to record my demo I don't know I get I get sore throats and all that kind of stuff really easily so I had no voice or whatever, probably self-inflicted from Party Party Mike McCarthy the night before. <laughs> but I just, I had to email her and I was like, hey, so I'm not going to make it in. And you know, things like that, it's really hard to to go in the second day. Yeah. So she was like, sure, yeah, do you want to come in next week? And I was like, I was kind of hoping you'd say, don't bother coming in. And that would let me off having to do this really scary thing. But she didn't. She was like, come on in next week. 
So put on my big girl pants. You had you had you had to go now. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So went in and recorded my demo. And as you'll know from UL, right? I imagine this has since changed, but the lads went into college while I was there at least in fat pants and their UL class hoodie day in, day out. Yep. And when I when I got up to Galway, lads, you want to talk about a culture shock. Lads dressed up for the nightclub in skinny jeans like suede boots, shirts. And I was like, what the shit? I remember yeah, if you saw like, girls in, in like any kind of high heel or anything that wasn't a tracksuit in UL, you'd be like, where is she? Where the fuck is she going? You'd like, kind I, of I be... Go, oh, she's studying arts. I was like, <laughs> That's all I can no. say. She's trying to do it. <laughs> if I saw anyone in anything anyway dressed up, I'd be like, she's Where's your own go? Do you know that? Like, yeah. such an awful attitude. But then when I came up to Galway, it was like crossing the international date line. <laughs> I was like, what the hell goes on up here? So that was that was what my demo was about, about people in Galway always having their ankles out and <laughs> not wearing socks. <laughs> which is which is like come full circle, because now I hear everyone talking about like, don't trust a boy that doesn't wear socks at all. This is like the narrative. And I'm like, geez, I pioneered that, lads. Um <laughs> That's a thing. That's a Galway thing, Leah. Is it? And yeah, it like it massively is. And this will tell you, right? I don't own a pair of pants now that stop below mid shin. <laughs> I'm a firmly subscribed member of the Ankles Out Club. Like it's I remember, gas. Was it the Galway? The, did I go to the Galway races? The most recent one? I'd say I did. It was a Monday evening. Like it wasn't like one of the big days. And I'd never seen as many ankles in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, an issue, like. like- <laughs> Ankles yeah it, it's a it's a funny one i don't know where, but yeah that's what i recorded my demo about and they were like yeah sure come in uh we'll put you on with this guy called shane john who is such he's such a gas ticket as well but so he was just click straight away we used to just come in and do our show just kind of basically chatting shite for two hours every week and i just really enjoyed it and through my entire time in college like that was or say in NUIG at least that was like a constant so once I finished up my Irish diploma I kind of stayed on and flirt like real Van Wilder job I was like yeah I'm not really a student anymore but sure I'm just gonna come in here for an hour and bend your ear about whatever so and actually Ian that was on our comedy course was another one of my co-hosts no way yeah in Flirt FM which is gas yeah so then doubly when I walked into the comedy course I was like well I know her from a course there's Ian and I I think I'd met two of the other lads I don't know somewhere along the line as well because sure Galway basically is the size of a fart because I saw whoever it was I was like oh I I know them from um the International Arts Festival and I was like oh I've definitely seen him at the film festival you know like running it or taking tickets you know that kind of you get to to know the heads and like Say if if in mathematical terms, if you want to do the probability of someone going to a comedy course in the Jew Drop in January, that kind of gets you a select like bit of the population of Galway, and then it, you can kind of cross like reference different pubs maybe in and Joe. You definitely would have knocked across people, but yeah. So that's that's kind of where the radio thing started. I was in flirt for ages, and then got into iRadio initially reading the news. So I used to do weekend news and did that for about I think about a year. And what's actually funny is the girl that was doing the weekend news before me works for, so my dad is in force of the trade union. 
So the girl that used to do the news, she went to work for them, which is like this really like circle of life <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, it was just a weird overlap. Now, I've I've actually never met her in person, but dad would deal with her in the union. He's always like, oh, yeah, you're on Hazel. And I'm like, this is too weird. That's really strange. Um, yeah, it was just it was kind of a funny one. So then. I was at iRadio for, I'd say, about a year reading the news. And then I can't even remember how the reshuffle happened, but there was staff had left and people were moving shows. And I, I, lads, it's definitely an Irish thing, right? I would rather die a death than put my hand up and actively be like, I would like to do this. I would Mm -hmm. like this job. Please give it to me. I think it's an Irish, like, self-deprecating, modesty, Mm. like, being a little bit not confident. Mm. But this whole thing was happening and I was like, here, I I would really like a show on this radio station at the weekend. Please and thank you. And somehow they decided that this was a good idea. Yes, they were like, yeah, grand. So I got my show on iRadio and around the same time I had done an interview with Spins Out West. So I think I was down the Jungle Cafe, lads. I'll never forget it because I was like, at any moment, someone with a camera is going to come out from behind to do all the... <laughs> Yeah. debris in the jungle say, cafe and they're going to be like ah you thought you got a radio show you did not <laughs> so yeah they, I got two phone calls in the space of an hour and they both offered me a show and I was wow. like lit this wow. class yeah so I was like grand I was like yes I'll take everything gimme 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 and <laughs> um, so that was probably when was, I think I started the shows then in maybe January of I don't even know what year it is now 28 no 2019 I don't know at some point anyway started the show's great crack and that's that's kind of that's how that all came about every year the the kind of industry awards are the imro awards and they have those the ceremony is usually in october november time and the nominations you it's it's material broadcast up to a certain date like community games there's a cutoff point so it has to be before that yeah so the date was in i think the date was the end of may or something like that and i it was kind of coming up to it and everyone was getting a little bit flustered and then my both my managers called me into the office and they were like hey have you thought about entering the newcomer category and I was like absolutely not are you raving what and they were like oh we think you should I was like huh couldn't believe it and uh, yeah I entered anyway in the newcomer category which is grand it's confined to people who are new to radio obviously as the name would suggest but it's grand (laughs) because it's it means you're not in with the big boys the likes of Joe, the Ryan Torpedies, the Ian Dempsey's, the Fergal Darcy's, any of those kind of like bigger names, you're not in the same category as them. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a baby class, which is fine. It's exactly, exactly it's, what it's, we needed. It's a stepping stone. Yeah, yeah. So I was just stop calling it the baby class. It, Joe, the competition was fierce in that class. But uh, yeah, so it was gas. was at Electric <laughs> oh, Picnic baby. last year and uh, the nominations came out the Tuesday after Electric Picnic. And I was like, this is either going to be the best hangover ever or the worst day of my life. So sure, I was absolutely having kittens. I was so wound up after electric picnic anyway. But then knowing that the next day, and I don't even think it was at nine o'clock in the morning. I think it was at noon. I was just pacing around the apartment. I was like, oh, God's sake, like, come on, lads. We just blow it up, breath. And uh, then the nominations came out over the moon. And that would have been enough. I was like, this is absolutely unbelievable. Like there was only six people nominated out of everyone that entered. So I was like, Jesus, even to be in the top six, what privilege, what an honor. But then as it got closer, like I'm fierce competitive. I was like, if I don't win this thing, there's going to be slaps. Like really, really that horrible, nasty competitive streak came out. And I was like, God, I really want to win this, which is unusual because I wouldn't be like when I get competitive, I get competitive. But to get me to that point, I have to really care about something. And not that I don't care about anything, I absolutely do. But I wouldn't like I wouldn't be 
live and die by things. And I think that just showed me like, yeah, actually, radio is what you're stone cracked mad about because mm. you're this het up mm. about this competition and about your radio program and all that kind of thing. Do you know? Mm-hmm. And I think at the other side of it, then I was like, girl, you need to climb back down because you're going to be devastated if you don't get on well here. And that's really hard to do when you've kind of put yourself that you're getting excited about something to mm-hmm. kind of control let the air out of that slowly yeah. Yeah. so that you have a way back down mm-hmm. is very tough to do. And like, it, it's hard because like radio is so subjective, right? People mightn't like your accent. People mightn't like your voice. People mightn't like what you talk about or how you talk about it. There's so many variables. And it's such a it's such a tricky thing because if a maths formula doesn't work or an experiment doesn't work, you just kind of tweak it and you, there's a right mm-hmm. and a wrong. But mm-hmm. with any of those kind of creative things, it's really, it becomes a little bit more personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just have to be confident then in yourself and your abilities and what you do because you're that's all you have is yourself, do you know? Exactly, exactly. It is. It's it's kind of it's a it's a funny one, Mads. Like I just the, the radio industry never fails to amuse me. It's bonkers. Like the whole the whole thing is cuckoo. But I love it. I absolutely love it. So you, it says you got the Br- bronze newcomer award. Then is that like gold, silver, bronze kind of gold, thing? Silver, bronze. Yeah, exactly. So they do, and lads, they have they have categories for everything. So there's there's like documentary categories. There's like sports journalism categories. There's news presenting there's radio djs breakfast shows funniest moment funniest station la 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 there's <laughs> i think wow. i think yeah i think we, there was about probably five or six categories and there was about five or six subcategories within the category so there's maybe 36 in all and at the actual imrose event from memory which is very hazy ours was called nearly last and they didn't do it all in one go they did it like interspersed between the courses so they might do a couple of awards now, then we'll have the starter. A couple of awards. So by the end, like by the end, I was actually sick with nerves and it kind of took, not that it took the shine off it, it didn't, but they didn't call ours until, I I don't think there was very many awards after ours, which I was like, ah, for the babies, it's our first award ceremony. It's our first thing. Would you not just call us first and put us out of our misery? But sure, anyway, it was grand. So yeah, it was Dermot Whelan of Dermot and Dave was emceeing it. So he was absolutely gassed, but he'd stand up and do a few and do a few jokes and, by the end of it, I was like really impatient. I was like, just put me out of my misery. Like, do, do, what, what has happened here? So yeah, that was fantastic. In fact, I, I, it was a real pinch me moment. I was like, is this real life? Mm-hmm. It must have been a relief then at the end that you got. Yeah, it, it was. But you know what? I was absolutely plastered as was everyone else because they just were, <laughs> they were pouring wine to beat the band and everyone was, was well oiled. So we had a great night and it was great crack. And I think from being so wound up, it was such a relief. I was like, oh, it's over now. But then, Joe, you're on to the next thing. You're like, okay, well, should that that happen? But now let's look ahead. Like, what's in the program next week? And what's in the program next mm-hmm. one? Do you know that kind of way? So it's good in that sense that, like, you're always innovating. You're always trying to look at what other people are doing and thinking about what's going on in the world. And, like, how can I incorporate this? Or how can I make this funny? Or mm-hmm. how can I kind of take the piss about this? Or actually, Joe, you know I'm not going to touch that with a barge pole because that's far, That's not where I'm pitching my show and that kind of thing. So yeah, it yeah. does, it keeps you on your toes. And it's such a cliche, especially in the world of work, to say like, no two days are the same, but they're not. through the news and what's in fashion and what celebrities are doing changes hour to hour. Do you know, it's like it's like working on a Twitter news feed. That's how quickly things change and like, yeah. cycle along. And Joe, you're, you're trying to 
stay on top of it, but mm. put your own spin on things. So yeah, it's definitely it's 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 challenging, but it's amazing. I think from listening to your kind of your journey and your doing your undergrad and your diploma and your masters and your your drum course and your comedy course and your starting a business <laughs> course uh, like there's there's so many things that you kind of you dipped your toe into but it's interesting that something that you have always grown up with which was the radio and stuff like that is where you kind of ended up going with your career and stuff like that so it's interesting that something that maybe started out as a little bit of a hobby because you loved radio in college and stuff like that kind of became something that you as you said you realize when you got nominated you're like this is actually something I love to do which I think is is really cool it just shows people that you don't necessarily have to the thing that you want to do doesn't necessarily have to be super obvious at the, no, at, at the at time all, like, kind of thing not at all so I think for for you or for most some people it's just allowing yourself to be open to different experiences and opportunities and just kind of trying a bit of everything if they if they want mm-hmm. kind of thing a hundred percent I think it's funny like because I'm actually in the middle of making randomly enough a radio documentary at the moment about cool. I was like you didn't mention this at any point and <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, I make a documentary about autism, and in the course of one of my conversations with this lady, her name is Jodie O'Neill. She's written a play. It's called "What I Don't Know About Autism," and just before lockdown started, that did a tour, sellout performances, etc. It was amazing. But she came to her autism diagnosis a little bit later on. It was actually when she was having her son go through diagnosis that she was like, "Wait a second, this sounds awfully familiar." Okay. Yeah, which. It seems to be a trend. And from anyone that I spoke to, that girls are a little bit more tricky to diagnose than boys. So, so yeah, a lot they of the apparently time have they very different. Kinda, kind yeah, of, undetected. Um, but she was saying that like when she was younger, that she had a very singular focus. Like she was absolutely like really into ballet. And she was just talking about now how things we've kind of got this American idea of this all rounder student who does lots of different things and is good at different things. And that we see that as being how things should be. And that, you know, for an autistic person who's really into one thing, whatever their interest area is, that that can be very challenging for them to kind of be in a world where we're expected to be good at lots of different things. And she was saying that she found that that attitude was kind of, Joe, you know, that it wasn't very helpful when looking at autism. And I was like, mm. that's hilarious because when I was small, I would have given anything to just be into one thing and not yeah. be into 50,000 things <laughs> like between school and extracurricular stuff and then stuff that I just kind of pick up that I'd be like geez that's really interesting yeah, it's you know, so and- similar because I remember there were tears in my house leaving cert year and it wasn't because yeah. the difficult or because it was but like I, I enjoyed school but I had to make the decision and I was like I don't know is this does and and like Leah said it you have this kind of it defines you and you've all this pressure that, oh, if I pick engineer now, is this me? And this is what I'm going to do forever. At yeah. what point did 18 year old Fiona go, yeah, you'll be an engineer, but you'll also tell jokes as well. That's okay too. Do you and, know? And do art and But like that's stuff. Exactly. You can do what you want. And I don't think your, your career is defined mm-hmm. by what you study, but also what you study doesn't define who you are. Is that yeah. And Girl, a hundred percent. I think, it's funny, like, that life always does circle back, that bloody leaving cert. Like, I th- I was doing 10 subjects going into six That's year. a lot. Like, wow. But I co- because I couldn't decide. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, let's do 10 subjects for a while. So in the end, anyway, I dropped, I think I dropped one. and But I think I did nine subjects for my leaving cert. Oh, my God. And... 
but come here to me my decision making ability has not improved (laughs) (laughs) at all at all I've learned nothing from this stressful experience but yeah I just and now I've I've gotten to embrace it right someone join your parents learn a new phrase and they kick it to death. Like yeah. someone really helpfully told my parents, oh, Galway, the graveyard of ambition when I first moved up. And they'd be like, anytime there was a lull in conversation, they'd be like, the graveyard of ambition. <laughs> I was like, lads, put a cork in it. But don't someone... tell my parents that one. I... <laughs> don't, don't listen to this episode, guys. But <laughs> someone at one stage said, gave me this idea of like the Renaissance man. Like Leonardo da Vinci was all into all this stuff. And I was like, I'm just a Renaissance person born probably 500 <laughs> years too late, but whatever. And now I'm just like, yeah, it's fine that I'm into loads of different stuff and that I've kind of kooky interests and whatever. Because I, I personally find that it keeps things interesting. And yeah. it's just, you're just meeting different people and whatever. And I love that kind of stuff. And I've, I've let go of the idea that I'll ever fully know what I want to be or what I want to do or that I will have just one thing because I don't mm. think that'll never be me and I think at the ripe old age of 29 I finally made my peace with it which is great and I think that's, that's a, a good message for people like don't strive for that I need to know exactly what it is that I need to be to do like it, like you said you might not necessarily ever go uh-huh. have a definitive answer but if you're at least happy doing whatever it is that you're doing then that's all that matters I think exactly exactly with that I think we're kind of kind of coming to the end of the the podcast. So, Kate, I feel like we've run miles. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We've done so many courses in the last like hour. So many. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I know. So, Kate. So, what's next for Kate O'Malley? What's next is an interesting one because like the COVID has kind of pulled the pin out of a lot of things. I think, so I'm I'm actually at home with mom and dad in Kerry at the moment and have been for the last, I'd say probably four weeks. They're probably scratching numbers into the into the wall. Like, <laughs> when will she, she leave? leave <laughs> yeah, but no, I'm actually, I'm at home with them at the moment because work is, has kind of not dried up. I'm still on air Saturdays and Sundays. But bits of cover and stuff that I'd be doing in the middle of the week. Sure, no one's taking holidays because we can't go anywhere. And mm-hmm. um, are you recording them where you are? No, I'm up and down to the studio as well because I'm I'm an essential staff. Oh. <laughs> so we're loving. Isn't it great to get the pat from the government to be like you are essential? Like <laughs> Leo Bradker believes that you, Kate O'Malley, are essential. I'm, that's what I'm taking from all this. But no, I'm up and down to the studio and I'm so grateful and thankful that I have the opportunity to be in and out because I know some people haven't seen the inside of an office in weeks and they're cracking up. So I, I absolutely don't take well, that I, for granted. I work from home anyway, so... <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not that person. I wish I could just get out. <laughs> I feel like, right, there was a lot of hype about working from home. People were like, this is class. You can be in your jammies all day. You can be whatever you're doing. And now people are forced to work from home. They're like, let me They out. have a new sense of respect or understanding of actually commuting to their office. And the first piece of advice Leah gave me because Leah you primarily work from home mm. if you're not with clients and she was like just get dressed every day just get dressed <laughs> even if oh, it's yeah. something that's still nearly just as comfy as your PJs it needs to be different to your PJs it needs <laughs> to be your working loungewear yeah. yeah I know and do you know what when you got that piece of advice you probably scoffed and you were like of course I'm going to get dressed every day what's your own on about and now you're like mm, <laughs> how bad do I smell yeah <laughs> I haven't yeah. put on any uh, mascara. Is that okay? <laughs> Stop. Yeah, the whole makeup side of the house has just fallen down. And it can. 
Yeah. The skin of my nails are doing really well. I mean, it, it has to be said. I'm very proud of them. Yeah. <laughs> they are thriving in this COVID-19. Um, I don't know. It's it's a funny one. But yeah, so work, work-wise, things are a little bit quiet at the moment. But mm-hmm. the other upshot of that was that I got my documentary finished, which I've mm-hmm. been Great. sitting on since probably, I think, we got our funding in maybe I'm gonna say October time. And how you know? does that come about? Do you apply to an arts council or? So basically, the the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland, the BAI, they're the guys that get complaints. They look after licenses. So every radio station in the country has a license, and they look after all that kind of stuff. But part of that is where your TV license money goes. A chunk of it goes to them to sponsor slash commission documentaries, plays, all that kind of stuff. Just people creating, not a radio show, say, but something that's um, a little bit different. So they do funding application runs every so often. So this iRadio brought this to our attention. They were like, hey, if anyone has an idea, like, let's go with it. And uh, a couple of us put in submissions. And I think this is funny, right? Because talk about lastminute.com. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I had the idea. I had all the contacts from working at different things and whatever. And I knew that it would be amazing to research and to make, you know, documentary now might be another story, but I knew it'd be really interesting, whatever. But I just was kind of putting it off and putting it off because there's a lot of paperwork, as you'll know from applying for any kind of funding. Mm -hmm. Like they they don't make it very easy, which is fair enough because then you'd be getting every kind of, Tom, Dick and Mick. So I did the application and I was up until four o'clock in the morning and I missed the email from them to say that they extended the deadline. <laughs> and I was like, are you having some kind of a laugh? Like, what? Dude, so, but generally it, extend it, but I always am like, mm, the one oh, time I leave it now, <laughs> they won't extend it. I know. And like, I, I'm naturally such an, an anxious person. Like, I get heart palpitations about things all the time. And deadlines will be one of them. But I just mm. couldn't, I couldn't dedicate the time to sit down and bloody well get it done. So actually probably worked out for the best that I stayed up until four o'clock. So I think they kicked it out the road a few days or something like that. So I got the application in and got the funding, which was amazing. And then I kind of sat back and I was like, oh, sugar, I have to sit back and make this thing now. And I've, I wouldn't have any background in, say, journalism or documentary making or anything like that. But I very firmly believe in just throwing yourself into something. And if it works fantastic if it doesn't say la vie you tried mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you know that kind of way so just kind of jumped into it and like i i think i interviewed about 15 different people and i have over 15 hours of audio to condense into 45 minutes which was i made but i made a rod for my own back because everyone was so interesting i was like and tell me more about that <laughs> instead of being like right next question as you know yourselves from hosting these interviews, it is so hard to kind of navigate back into the track. And I just, I just, to... I just assume Leah does her magic. <laughs> yes. Fine. She's probably saying, in. why did you ask this question? <laughs> I know. And mom said to me before I did this, she was like, try not to go on too much. I was like, impossible, girl. Impossible, isn't it? Like, shutting me up will be the issue. So Leah, you've full permission to chop and hack and cut and otherwise rejig this as you need to. But yeah, so I, the upshot of lockdown was that I was locked down and I just had to finish up the interviews. I wanted to do them all in person, but unfortunately that wasn't going to be a runner. So I finished them up via phone and Skype and stuff like that and spent two weeks chained to the desk, editing and chopping and reworking and 
lots of people then I had said that I'd you know get back in touch and tell them what bits I was using so I had to get them to approve all that just because I didn't want anyone to feel that they'd been misrepresented or that what they were saying was taken out of context especially when it's such a sensitive topic and I didn't want anyone to feel like I had put words in their mouth or was kind of misconstruing what they were saying so that finished up I think last Friday last Friday I just sat back and I was like it's done so it's with the sound engineer now which is fantastic because mm-hmm. it's not with me so I'm like <laughs> it's just someone else's problem yeah. so yeah I'm just I'm just kind of finishing up that I what else am I doing I'm just do you know what right so I was having it honestly a nervous breakdown when lockdown started because I was like oh god I don't know how I'm going to keep paying for my apartment in Galway I don't know how I'm going to keep affording my life to be alive like not that I have expensive taste in and I don't <laughs> genie macaroni like coconut noodles every day but I just Love was coconut. like I don't know how I'm going to balance everything so I went home for a little while and mum sent me on like radio really is the theme of everything mum sent me on this interview on uh, from radio once she was like have a listen to that and I listened to the wrong because she was like it was on last Wednesday on the arena show and I was like all right Jack Grant so I downloaded the wrong clip from RT Radio (laughs) 1 but but the clip I ended up listening to was this lady talking about a book she co-authored about how in life like that this wouldn't be a good time basically for making big decisions because at the time I was like geez I think I'm gonna have to give up my apartment in Galway I just don't know that I can afford it etc was having massive like seismic life change decision making time and then I and this was the universe sent this my way a thousand percent that I'd uh, like randomly downloaded this clip this clip could have been anything mm-hmm. it could have been Joe Joffe talking about normal people but it just so happened to be this lady <laughs> talking about not making decisions rashly mm-hmm. and I was like universe I hear you so <laughs> I just I just put all the decisions on pause like I won't even decide what to have for dinner now at the moment I'm just like yeah yeah whatever happens happens Go with the flow. Like, but what they said made a lot of sense they were like this you don't know how this is going to pan out in six days or six hours or six weeks so just relax the cacks now and we rarely in this life have time to slow down and I am like queen of that hill Mm -hmm. I always have two or three jobs going on at the one time I'm always doing courses as you can see I'm always like on the road from here there there's always there's always things on the back burner and there's always so many things that I have plans for that I don't get around to doing so you so rarely get or I so rarely get a chance to stand still that that's kind of what I'm using lockdown for is just being at home and kind of take kind of doing a stock take and just thinking like where what happens now mm-hmm. do you know mm-hmm. yeah that's ride the wave ride the that. wave really, yeah. we've been saying that that it is a good time to just uh, obviously we can't be entirely ecstatic about what's going on but to just embrace uh-huh. it it is if you want to go do a 10 million squat challenge go for it if you don't that's okay if you want to go <laughs> write a book go for it if you don't that's also okay that's kind of the message we've been most of the podcasts that we've recorded during, mm-hmm. during this pandemic have kind of been saying do what makes you happy right now because you're not going to get this time back again so mm-hmm. exactly I think if you can manage to tune out and compartmentalize the fact that it's a global pandemic and that life as we know it is going to be fundamentally different if you can turn off that part of your brain if you have <laughs> just that, that skill just that please, small itty bitty little thing really. yeah please send instructions to my dms <laughs> but if you could do that and just see for what it is this time to recharge and mm. reconnect and you know yeah. be with family or or reconnect with friends or whatever then fantastic but as you say like some people are really enjoying baking and being productive and doing squats and some people are enjoying binge watching the last dance i'm in both of those (laughs) (laughs) 
But... I mean, I wouldn't put it past you to be in two different things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, is, yeah. I'm like, yeah, well, this might be a chance now for me to write up that final paper that I never wrote. Yeah. So I'm also really enjoying not wearing a bra every day. Like, that's totally... <laughs> Balance, baby, balance. I'm not very balanced. But... Living, living, <laughs> okay. living, living yeah. your best life. Living your best life. <laughs> I'm going to have to start wrapping it up just because of time and stuff like that. Um, I've but... waffled so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, Please we've had great, great chats. Great chat. And it's been very interesting listening to all the things that you've kind of gone through with your with your degrees and your diplomas and all the courses that you've done to kind of get to where you are now and it's very exciting to hear about your documentary and stuff like that that sounds super interesting so excited to is it a, just an audio documentary or yeah so yeah, that's, that's a, really it's cool it's a radio doc I had intended to do a bit of video stuff with it but mm. there's much point in doing a screen recording of zoom chat you know what I mean when yeah. I wasn't meeting people yeah. in person I was like okay I'm gonna have yeah. to shelve that cool. but yeah no so, it's gonna be a radio documentary it'll be on iRadio at some point cool. and believe the hype it will be wall to wall on your social media you will know about it before it happens brilliant brilliant <laughs> you won't miss it can't wait so when we wrap up our podcast we would like to ask a few kind of interesting or sort of fun quirky questions so the first one is three people dead or alive that you would like to have over for dinner lads so i just was in the car for about an hour today and i was like okay so here's the long list now here's the short list. So I've actually I I had to write them down in my little notebook. Oh my god, she's got a notebook. <laughs> You're way so, more prepared than a lot of so, our guests. Have so been. many notebooks. But I listen, like some of some of the people that did not make the final cut are ridiculous. Like Countess Markovich, Mihalo Murahertha. These these people were left in the cutting room floor. The three that I've gone for, so there's a guy, he's I don't, I don't know what he would describe himself as. He is a voiceover artist. He does pieces of spoken word. He's just a really interesting character. His name is Emmett Kerwin. You might be familiar with him. Sounds he familiar. Was on, he was on Tommy Tiernan's chat show last year. Okay. And he, he would have been, I don't know, you know, Senator Lynn Ruan. So she has yeah. a daughter called Jordan who was in like a short spoken word piece uh, around the time of the repeal the eighth was going on and he voiced yeah. that and he has a really interesting piece about I think the, the soundbite from it is people in tracksuits didn't ruin the country people in suits did mm, yeah uh, when he appeared on the late late show yeah he's just I I just love the way that he thinks about things he's mm. really sharp at observing politics and kind of seeing through the spin you'd and, nearly call him a modern Irish kind of philosopher nearly like a hundred percent yeah he's, he's really definitely a, th- a thought leader if that's not yes. too much of an Americanism but yeah and probably if he ever heard this he'd be like what is she talking about but that's what I I just think he's so interesting and he has such a different take on things and he actually was in Trinity at the same time Leo Varadkar was and it's just a really interesting lining up his experience and Leo and I, t- I just I think he's fascinating I could listen to him all day so he he is one of the people also Maeve Binchy oh yeah know. absolutely adore her love her books and like my mum would have read them my auntie would have read them she's in Germany and they send them between them and like I'll never forget the feeling the first time I read Scarlet Feather and Quintons and it's just like drinking a cup of tea in your dressing gown that's the feeling that I get from those books and I think like anyone I've ever heard interviewed talking about Maeve has said like she's such a good storyteller and I love listening to stories and that kind of stuff that's why she's there and I'm on a mad like Elton John kick at the moment. It's funny. So we watched Rocketman the last night in the house and then prompted by that, saw his Graham Norton clip, then went and ordered the book and then sat into the car after ordering the book 
And Ronan Collins on RT Radio 1 played an Elton John song. And I was like, okay, yeah, grand. <laughs> the universe is talking oh, yeah. to you again. Have you read the book? Is it good? No, I'm bloody waiting for it to oh, arrive. Yeah. I was looking on audiobook. It's meant to be very good. So I might I might do that. But yeah, I, um, that's so funny you said that. I've been lis- literally listening to Elton John so much in this pandemic. I think it's because it cheers me up. So Yeah, it's... It like Rocket Man is the most gut wrenching, heartbreaking, amazing movie ever. And I just I love Elton John anyway. So yeah, he's on the list there as well. Cause I feel like he'd have all the wild stories from like his heyday. <laughs> but also I just think he's he's sound. Yeah. Like yeah. and he, he really has an in with the royals. Like I'd love <laughs> to know about like Princess Diana, like what's Meghan Markle really like? Is she a wagon? And you know this like that's I just think he'd be a great at any party. And then he could play the piano after dessert. So he's so fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a great list of three people. They sound like they'd have great fun. List. I mean, <laughs> not everyone can be on the list. Yeah, I know. And shout as well to like I my best friend as well, Eva. She's always like she's like my ride or die. Like we've been friends since I was born. Like genuinely best friends since then. But she's always like you. You have to bring me with you when any of these things start to happen. So she she would de facto be at the table. So these okay. three add-ons. She's, she goes without saying. <laughs> I think we all exactly. have a, few, uh, a person or two that's like that. I'd be like me and you, Lee. If I was having them, you'd be there because I need someone to record it. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. <laughs> okay, so next question. What is your favorite quote or mantra that you like to live by or that you just like? I think Oscar Wilde as well was one of the others that didn't get invited to dinner. How rude. But I think <laughs> anything that he has said is absolutely fantastic. His quotes are for the ages and like they still ring so true. Mm-hmm. And I think his one it doesn't even resonate with me for any other reason other than I think it's cool is that we're all in the gutter but some of us are looking at the stars mm, I just I like think that. there's something about that that just tickles me I really like it that's nice I like that okay so knowing what you know now what would you say to yourself 10 years ago argue about your thesis <laughs> put, put stand up for thesis. your thesis what? yeah exactly yeah. um other than that though i i think just like i don't know it's it's a funny one because obviously everyone looks back and they have a certain amount of regret and that's normal and that's natural and mm-hmm. it's like the butterfly effect if you went back and changed one thing there'd be a whole different series of outcomes but you still would have the same amount of regret so i don't think that i would say anything along the lines of like oh my god don't go out the door on the day of you know whatever <laughs> but i think just like relax girl like just <laughs> just chill out you'll get there i think uh, when say 10 years ago what would I have been doing probably around the middle of college like and I was a bit stressed that like geez I don't think I want to be a lawyer anymore this doesn't seem like fun like you'll get there it's fine do you know great I think that's kind of the, the message most people would give to themselves 10 years ago yeah. one last thought before we sign off what would you say to someone that's teetering on the edge of a big decision or what life advice would you give to someone? I would pass on the advice that the universe through the medium of RTE Radio 1 gave <laughs> to me <laughs> that pandemic is not a time to be making big life choices. If you have the luxury of just hanging on a few weeks to mm-hmm. see what shape this takes, then maybe do that. And I mean, I'm in that situation myself. So I'm kind of like talking to myself in the third person, which is a bit of a weird experience. But I'm just trying not to panic and not to think that like I'm really guilty of and quite a lot of people have this where you stack decisions on top of each other. So it, it doesn't it's not one decision. It's suddenly you see the chain of decisions that have to be made and you freak yourself out. Mm-hmm. Whereas if like deciding what to do today doesn't need to be 
a four tier decision. You can just decide what to do today. It doesn't have to be, I'm going to do this today and I'm going to do this and da, 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 And you just get stuck in this chain. If you just take one decision and make that for itself, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing then is I'm such a firm believer in lads, write a list. A list is unbelievable. I do pros and cons lists about everything, like absolutely everything. And ages ago, I think probably a counsellor somewhere along the line told me that if you do a weighted pros and cons list, so you do, because not all pros are equal and not all cons are equal. So some, you know, mm. some pros or cons are quite trivial and then some are like life alteringly significant mm-hmm. and they shouldn't weigh the same that you're like, OK, well, there's five pros and there's three cons. Therefore, the pros have it because some of those outweigh each other. So I just do a little it's like a little cross and you do like trivial pros and cons and then like significant pros and cons. And that's like a good way of kind of looking at your decision and maybe kind of weighing it up and analyzing it. That I, I just find that works for me. Okay, that's that's, good. that's great advice. Hopefully anyone that's listening will uh, will get something out of that. So Kate, as we come to the end of this episode, thank you very much for coming again and being on our little humble podcast. My um, pleasure, girls. Before we sign off, do you have anywhere people can find you? Do you want to plug your socials, plug your documentary, whatever you'd like to plug? Now's the time. Oh, plug everything and <laughs> um, so at the moment you can find me on iradios on saturdays and sundays you can find me on spin southwest on sundays my social media is kate o'malley and i spell it a little bit funny because i'm an attention seeker and i like it it's k-a-y-t-e instead mm-hmm. of k-a-t-e tray chic and very exotic <laughs> but yeah you'll you'll find me all over social media i particularly like instagram big fan of that and i'm on tiktok even though i'm way too old to be on tiktok and I, I'm obsessed with it, lads. It's great crack. So a couple of ideas. Going to be working on them over the next couple of weeks for TikTok, TikTok. because, okay. yeah, it's lit. It's lit. But yeah, no, anywhere like that. And of course, you can listen to me. If you're not sick of the sound of my voice, you can listen <laughs> to me on the radio as well. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So thanks so much, Kate, for being on this episode of Next Gen Femme. I hope everyone that was listening enjoyed this episode. And I guess that's it from myself. Anyway, check you all in the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.